0: during the time when I'm down there, I'm, I'm going through my text and going through Remind and looking at people and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, Bill Duffy uh, had chimed in and said, B and A are here. I was like, yeah, all right. The great initials, B and A. Here we go. Bad attitude. Nah, it's okay, Bill. Bill's one of my favorite folks on Zoom because Bill, you never know what you're going to get with Bill when you get on Zoom. Top of the forehead sometimes. Could be over here sometimes. Bill is amazing. Um, He makes me laugh every time. He's a good guy. So we're glad you guys are watching this morning as well. And as we gather together, all the things that we gather together and are we, where are we at? Hey, what's going on? Um, The kids already leave? Okay, great. So now the kids can go ahead and go to their kids' worship. They've already gone. Um, Your kids at home, go to kids' worship. You can go create something for them right now. Um, But tonight we're going to be able to come together from 4 to 7 And outside with plenty of physical distance Masks are appreciated within 6 feet If you're going to be close to someone for a while Because even outside you still want to keep your distance Or have masks on If you want to talk to somebody for a long time that's fine Just know that some folks will have their masks on the whole time And that's okay And uh, we just want to be able to Wherever you're talking to Make sure they lead you into how they want to talk It's always better to ask than to try to figure that out. We're going to have to do a lot of that kind of negotiating with each other in the days to come to see where everybody's comfortable with. So if I put a mask on, because you are talking to me for a little longer? Don't be offended by that. Then I'm just trying to do my best to keep you uh, well as we go through this. But we're going to have that opportunity to be able to celebrate the end of summer, the back to school, back to church, block party. And blessing of the backpacks will happen tonight. And Stephanie's made some amazing ones this year, so I'm excited about being able to have one of these on my bag and that sort of thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a verse we need to hear every day. And this I have been blessed and prayed for by the, good, the church family. And obviously, also, if you can't come tonight, we will have these available. And we'll be able to, once we get through with that, you can stop by and pick one up um, and be able to do that and say your own blessing over those things too. But we're also in Promotion Sunday. So we're going to be able to give out our third grade Bibles. We have one of our third graders already left, so yep, so he's gone. But JT is getting the Bible tonight, so I'm excited about that to be able to give JT his Bible. And uh, some other folks are going to be here, maybe here or may not. But um, so we're excited about that. And then also we're going to be able to have our uh, rebuild meetings for children and youth. And that'll be a time to come together. That actually be here in the gym. And for that time, we will put masks on and be spread out. Um, while we're indoors, as most of the new studies have shown, that uh, indoors, even being six foot apart without having masks on, still isn't doing it. If you like Dr. James Hildreth from Harry Medical, he just talked about that on, in Nashville this week. So that's why we keep the air on here, that's why it's cold in here all the time, and we keep it running, and uh, we need to do that so we can continue just to keep ourselves safe. But the meetings will happen in here tonight just for a little bit to get everybody on board with Covenant, what we're going to be doing in the fall. Then we're also going to have sing-along karaoke in your seat. So sing along from your seats, and we'll be doing some karaoke songs. Of course, we'll have to have Sweet Caroline and uh, Baker Baderie here this year because he wasn't here last year. Where is he at? Is he skipping? Are you back here? No, he's gone. Where did Baker go? He left. All right, great. Keep your dad in order, okay? Make sure he's here this year for Sweet Caroline. He did not come last year, and that was very depressing for me. So please let him be here. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to have great food, all individually wrapped. And uh, the sign up was for, so we'd know how much food to prepare. And uh, so you still have time to sign up, just so we know what's coming. But you can choose your hot dogs, your hamburgers, all that's going to be there. All outdoors in the main parking lot outside the CLC, unless we choose something else, except for the meeting in the gym. And uh, so then the weeks to come after Labor Day, then we'll start to gear everything up and figure out what all we've got now from everybody's input, and then be able to figure out what GROW looks like for children, youth, and adults, and all those things. My class started this week and uh, with the Nehemiah Code. It was a great group. I was excited to see everybody after being off for a couple of months or about a month and a half, I guess. And uh, so we hope that you'll join us with that. You can also go along with reading the, the, the devotionals, the prayers, answering the questions that are coming to you every day. They will come at different times during the day because depending on when I remember or when I'm not busy is when I have time to be able to sit down and to write those and put those out. But they're helping me, too, to help me focus on so that Nehemiah isn't just a sermon series on Sunday morning. It's something I'm thinking about every day uh, during the course of the week. I hope you'll join me in that, too. And so in, along those lines, then we continue to learn about the Nehemiah Code that's helped us to rebuild, to restore, to renew ourselves, our church, and our world. And so I encourage you to find Nehemiah 2, 1 through uh, 20, and we're going to be looking at that scripture today as we go to the Lord in prayer to center ourselves. Gracious God, as we come here before you, we just thank you for the chance we have to gather in person and for those who have come out and done that. We thank you for all those who have chosen to, to go sometimes the harder route sometimes, which is you know sitting down and really spending time at home in the place you've seen so much and still carving out time for God. We are thankful for that as well. And so we just ask you, bless the word wherever it's being heard this morning, from this state to other states to everywhere. And so, Lord, just pour into the words that I say. May they be acceptable and pleasing to You as we gather here this morning. And may they teach us how to rebuild. So, Lord, just add Your blessing to the Word this morning as we gather. And the people of God said together, Amen. I invite you to follow along with the YouVersion Bible event in your app, and you can be able to follow along with that and all the notes that are happening during the course of the sermon this morning. So last week, we took the first step in rebuilding. And we learned that getting started right is the first step in rebuilding. Say that with me. Getting started right. So now we come to the second important block in rebuilding. Rebuilders build a team spirit. Say that with me. Build a team spirit. That's what our focus is on all week building a team spirit. But how do you build a team spirit? Well, first, by focusing in on the personal responsibility we talked about last week. We do away with the I, and we make a conscious choice to instead say we. To say we a lot. And as we gather together, we see this truth woven through the fabric of Nehemiah 2, as we watch Him build the team spirit with those who are around Him. You see, the ability to work together and not against one another is an essential element of rebuilding. This is true whether we're seeking to rebuild a life, a business, a church, an athletic team, a marriage, self-confidence, getting in shape, whatever. The simple fact is, rebuilding... Is a team sport. And team sports are all in the news right now. My team, unless it changes direction, not gonna play. Gonna be rough. SEC right now, still gonna play. Lots of people are upset. Lots of folks are wrestling because they're a team. And the idea of not playing as a team is unconscionable to many. Rebuilding is a team sport. And wherever that happens, teamwork isn't just for the athletic field, though. Experience also reveals the most successful homes are built by families who play together as a team. That The most successful businesses are those in which every employee is valued, and they all work together as a team. Getting right may be essential, but building a team spirit is what adds fuel to the rebuilding process. And it keeps it moving towards successful completion. You see, Nehemiah was a master at rebuilding Team Spirit. And he utilized five principles to accomplish his tasks. Principles that we can incorporate into our rebuilding projects. Very quickly, those five, and then we'll go back to them first. We must start with our goal in mind. Next, we must seize our opportunities. Third, we must make a careful analysis of our situation. Fourth, we must motivate our people to get off a dead center. And for the final step in building a team spirit, Nehemiah shows the importance of staying on track. Rebuilders keep focused. They build a team spirit because they are smart enough to know they cannot do it on their own. So first... Rebuilders start with their goal in mind. Say it with me. Start with their goal in mind. See, before Nehemiah ever left Persia, before he recruited his first co-worker, before he ever placed the first stone in the wall of Jerusalem, he lived with the burden in his heart. And he started with his goal in his mind. He knew how he was going to get there, and he knew what he was going to do. He knew how he was going to get there. He knew what he was going to do. Nehemiah's boss, the king, noticed something was troubling him and asked, Why do you seem so sad? Since you aren't sick, you must have a broken heart. I was very afraid. For four long months, Nehemiah had lived with this burden ever since he'd heard the first report of the broken wall and the burned gates in the city of Jerusalem. So when he replied to the king's question, it shows us that his goal was already in his mind long before he ever left Persia for Jerusalem. And he replied, May the king live forever. Why shouldn't I seem sad when the city, the place of my family's graves, is in ruins and its gates destroyed by fire? And I thought about something about this. And it's hard to imagine this, but I want you to think about this throughout this whole series because it came to me this morning when I was thinking about it. How would you feel if Good Shepherd was damaged or destroyed by a tornado or by a fire? Both of which have happened to sister churches just in the last year. A little more personal then, isn't it? Than some story somewhere. What would you do as you're standing looking at the rubble of the place that you worshipped in, fellowshiped in? And I want you to think about that in relation to Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah had a passion for what God had planned in his heart. To rebuild Jerusalem. I expect most of us with that same passion in our heart would say the same thing. We walked up and saw the charred ruins of this place and said, We're going to rebuild. Well, there's no charred ruins. But there's certainly some charred moments of being apart. His heart was wide open and the king read him like a book. And starting with our goal in mind is essential to build a team spirit so we can finish the work of rebuilding You see, the reason that many businesses and churches and lives for that matter are stagnant or in a death spiral is because they never built a team spirit. Why? Because they have no goal in mind. What is the goal? They don't know where they are going, much less how they're going to get there. Rebuilders know where they are headed. They know how to plan to get there. So there is Nehemiah standing in the presence of the great king Xerxes. And the king, seeing his broken heart, asks a very pointed question. The king asks, what is it that you need? And immediately, Nehemiah saw his moment. I prayed to the God of heaven and replied, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor with you, please send me to Judah, to the city of my family's graves, so that I may rebuild it. There is no doubt or delay in him. He took advantage of this open door of opportunity because second, rebuilders seize their opportunity. Say that with me. Seize their opportunities. So the king asked some more questions after that. But here he was. He'd been planning and waiting in the months for that moment. He had thought it through, had already considered all the possible questions. He had all the right answers for the king. You ever been planning something you had to present to someone and you wanted to make sure you had everything possibly covered? They possibly could ask you to talk you out of it? That was Nehemiah. You see, OS says, successful rebuilders, whether they are rebuilding rubble or relationships, have a way of seizing opportunities when they come their way. Many people never get started in the rebuilding process because they're always waiting for God to open a door for them. And he says, In my own experience, I have found that opportunity doesn't usually come knocking out of my my door from out of nowhere. More often than not, opportunity is found opening the door when I am the one doing the knocking. You see, James and John were successful commercial fishermen with their dad. And while mending their nets, they met Jesus the Christ and they, their lives were changed forever when he called them to join the team. They could have said no. See, we're all, we all are what we are in life in part because of what we do with the opportunities that come our way. The decisions that we make. For many years, Nehemiah had been living in Persia but all the time, he had been living with Jerusalem in his heart. Praying. Planning. Preparing. So an opportunity presented itself. He immediately seized it and he made his request to the king. See, tragically, some of us never rebuild, even though we may have gotten started right. We fail to seize the opportunity when it comes. It might just be that God is asking you today, and the king as the king asked Nehemiah, what do you request? What opportunity are you looking for from God? My favorite movies? Dead Poet Society will talk about this week, because I couldn't fit it in. But there's a moment in that movie most of us all know. Seize the day. Carpe Diem. Seize the moment. See, before the rebuilding process in Jerusalem could begin, even before he could recruit a single person for the challenging task, third, Nehemiah made a careful analysis of the situation before. Verse 11, When I reached Jerusalem and had been there for three days, I set out at night, taking only a few people with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God was prompting me to do for Jerusalem. And the only animal I took was the one I rode. He waited for three days without doing anything. And then in the middle of the night on horseback, he went out and surveyed the ruined ways by moonlight. See, before any major work of rebuilding is accomplished, someone must take their own midnight ride to honestly review the ruins of the situation. And as we said last week, that often like Nehemiah, that person even has to weep over the ruins with deep compassion and determined concern to be able to move forward. And notice that Nehemiah didn't send someone in his place, he didn't send someone on his team to check it all out, assess the situation, make a report back to him, the plans to go forward. You see, there are some things that cannot be delegated to the process of rebuilding. One of the best ways leaders can build a team spirit is to make sure they have all the facts before they are ready to begin. Rebuilders don't rush the process without doing their homework. And so in verse thirteen, I went out by night through the valley gate, past the dragon spring to the dung gate, so I could inspect the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down, as well as its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the spring gate and to the king's pool, since there was no room for the animal in which I was riding to pass. I went up by way of the valley by night and inspected the wall. Nehemiah's night journey was not simply a casual glance at the rubbles and the ruins. He inspected, or it says, viewed the broken down walls. The thing here is, the Hebrew word translated viewed is actually a medical term describing a physician who looks and probes into a wound to assess its depth and damage before taking action. To probe. This kind of probing analysis is what Nehemiah does on his... Midnight ride. Nehemiah himself saw the broken debris that is piling up for decades. And nothing is done to remove it. But we see this same accumulation of trash happening in many of our lives today. We see it in our marriages. We see it in our businesses. We see it in our churches emotionally and spiritually, even physically. What you don't know right now is that upstairs is like one giant mass of stuff. All the floors are being redone. Everything's been piled up. And there is a big dumpster that's outside in the back. And that dumpster is not going to be empty when we get done. Because nothing's going back into a room. It doesn't have a purpose or a plan for it or anything else. We in the church, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, like to collect stuff. And we just shove it away and we keep it. Instead of dealing with it. Because we might just someday use that. We might just someday need to go back to this. It happens in all of our lives. Piling up over the years and getting in the way of healthy and whole relationships. And in many cases, simply left there. And the rubble just remains and we walk by it every day. Successful rebuilders make their own careful and honest evaluation assessing the debris, the bad attitudes, the bad habits, the less than productive actions of our lives across the years that must be removed before rebuilding can begin because you can't rebuild with all the rubble being there. If this place was a massive rubble, we couldn't just say, well, let's we'll just build around the rubble. We'll just put the whole new church around the rubble. The first thing we would all say to do is clean everything out and start fresh because that's the way it has to be. And fourth, motivate your people to get off a dead center. Nehemiah knew that he first needed to build a team spirit among the workers by motivating them to action to get off dead center where they had been stuck for years and years. And he hadn't even told anyone what he planned to do yet. He says, the officials didn't know where I had gone or what I was doing. I hadn't yet told the Jews, the priests, the officials, the officers, or the rest who were going to do the work. But Nehemiah was able to convince the people to live into his vision because he followed three vital goals, three vital rules in goal setting, O.S. says. He says, first, he made certain his goal of rebuilding was doable, it was conceivable. He made sure those around Him could easily envision the plan of where they were going and how they were going to get there. Think about the things that we've done here at church over the years to get out of debt, to to have the miracle of the minibus, to, to be able to do the things that we've done. They all had a plan. They all had a very easily achievable vision to be able to understand. Hard to get there, but easy to understand. They had a plan of where they were going and how they're going to get there. Next, he made sure his goal of rebuilding was believable. It had to be believable. There had to be a goal that people could believe in. They could believe that it could be done. These men and women had to be living in discouragement for years. They needed to believe again. So verse 17, So I said to them, You see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem is in ruins and its gates are destroyed by fire. Come, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we won't continue to be in disgrace. So the people not only conceived the goal, they also began to believe it could be accomplished and then finally Nehemiah made sure his goal was achievable. The goal was not outside their grasp they could rebuild the broken wall. We can rebuild the broken church. We can rebuild our broken lives. And Nehemiah encouraged them by reminding them that God was with them, caring for them, and guiding them. Verse 18, I told them that my God had taken care of me and also told them what the king had said to me. And they got it. They heard, hear their rallying cry. We talked about the first week when Pastor Scott was here. We've been using it every week since. Let's start rebuilding! Exclamation point. Not a period, not a question mark. Exclamation point, they said. And they eagerly began their work. They were ready to go. Other translations say, we can get this done. The hand of our God is with us. Or they strengthen their hand for the good. And then Nehemiah called on the people to adopt four attitudes, which we're also going to talk about this week, that would help the people to get off a dead center. He led them to face up, to team up, to gird up, and to look up to face up, to team up, to gird up, to look up. And when Nehemiah presented his challenge to the people of Jerusalem, their negative feelings began to turn to positive and discouragement gave way to hope, to new hope. And they now had a goal in mind and something to look forward to. In a team spirit emerged as a result. Think about everything we've ever done together here to accomplish something. It's been done as a team. No individual alone, but a team. And finally, they got off dead center. It only takes one person, like we talked about last week, with a God-given vision at home or at work or wherever to make a difference in the outlook and the attitude of others. And often takes someone like Nehemiah from the outside, helping us to see things instead of just looking at the surface. Because a lot of times, we just look at the surface of things. So is what you are in need of rebuilding in your life conceivable? Is it believable? Is it achievable? And last, stay on track. Nehemiah was successfully, mostly because of one word. You know what that one word was? Faith is a good word. Focus. He stayed focused. We're in the process of rebuilding our lives and relationships and our church. There will always be those distractions and those who show up on the scene to divert us and get us off track. Some unintentionally, some intentionally. Once the task of rebuilding the wall was underway, Nehemiah was immediately confronted with a group of negative individuals who did their best to break his focus every chance they could. They began here in verse 19, and all the way through until the final stone is set in Jerusalem, they do the exact same thing. Verse 19, when Salbalat... The Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials, and Gershom, the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and made fun of us. What are you doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And Nehemiah had a goal that was clearly defined. And those who dedicated themselves to the task of reburning, rebuilding, learn early on they cannot and will not please everyone. I can tell you from years of doing this, I cannot and will not be able to please everyone. Neither can you. Because there are some folks who are simply comfortable living in their own ruins. and They don't want to move out of them. And also the evil in many forms and ways will rise up when God begins to work and doing some great things. People always say that to me. When things start going really well, all of a sudden something hits a snag. That's immediately where we end up. Things are going so well that something's going to happen to try to stop that work. And invariably something or someone rises up. But staying on track is vital to building team spirit. Because Nehemiah's example lays out some important steps for us to follow that enable us to stay on track. The first thing is, that's where we got our our text message from this morning, is keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your faith in God. There you go, Susan. Keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your faith in God. I just love that phrase. What we have to remember, OS says, what I have to remember is that we as believers will not find our ultimate success through our own abilities or in those around us or through our national leaders. We will only find our ultimate success through God. Amen? We all need that message because we believe we can do it on our own. Listen to Nehemiah's reminder to us. Verse 20. The God of heaven will give us success, I replied. Another translation says, will prosper us. That's what keeps us on track in rebuilding. Many of us as leaders think that we can be able to be the one that creates the success, but only God can create that. We can only create the environment for that to happen. And next, Nehemiah reminds us to keep a servant's heart. He says, as God's servants, we will start building. That was his way of reminding us that if we have intentions of being great in God's kingdom, we must be the servants of all. And then finally, Nehemiah reminds us to see our critics for what they are. Listen as he addresses his accusers. But you will have no share, right, or claim in Jerusalem. So he's talking to them the whole time. He says these, this verse. And he boldly confronts his critics and he refuses to play their game. So get ready. If you take up your own rebuilding project in your life, in the church, in the world, you will always be confronted by a Salabalek or a Tobiah who will come alongside and try to get you off track. See them from who they are and what they are about. Some criticism, though, is justified. And we have to consider that criticism seriously. We have to evaluate it. We have to value it. We have to see what we can learn from it about yourself. Someone came to me last week and was just talking about the fact is that many of the parents feel like I'm just pounding them all the time about not watching Stephanie's videos and not being engaged. And I just need you to know that's not my intent. First of all, I will admit, number one, that I'm not an encourager at heart. My top gifts are administration, teaching, and leadership. Exhortation is that gift that is not my highest. It never has been. So please accept my apologies for that not being something that I'm very good at doing. But I hope that, as those will tell you, if you know my heart, you know that I care about each one of you. And that it's hard not being together. And that I'm a grow pastor at heart. I'm not a connect pastor. I'm not really a serve pastor. And I'm definitely not a go pastor I'm a grow pastor, so when we're not able to grow together, it just feels like I'm lost. So please hear in those words of frustration that we want everybody to be a part of what we're trying to do and rebuilding. And I consider all the things that are said to me very deeply in my heart. And I just pray that you can forgive me for those kind of moments, that we can still come together, and like tonight, there's over 70 people coming together, and I'm so excited. To be able to just be in the same place, in the same space. But sometimes you also get criticism that you really can't learn anything from. People just don't like you. And that's always going to happen too. They just don't like you. You just don't click. And that criticism can, can say, like, you're no good as a preacher. Or, you know what, you're not doing the right things. Or, I'm, you know, we should have to wear a mask. Or all this other stuff. <clears throat> and in the end, it's just like, this is our goal. This is how we're going to get there. That's what we're going to do. And I can't change any of those things. And for 20 plus years of doing this, I can tell you that you die by a thousand knives, not by one. So you have to continue to be able to shore yourself up as a leader. As a person doing your own rebuilding plan, whatever is trying to knock you out of it, whether you're trying to lose weight and food is trying to get to you and really trying to pull you out of it, or whether you're trying to to do better in your attitude or whatever and something else is pulling you out of it, you just got to keep pushing against it. You got to keep focused on the goal. And maybe you realize in your rebuilding that you've gotten off a track. Well, notice something else that Nehemiah never does. He never argues with his detractors. But nor was he at least in the bit discouraged by them. He confronted them head on. Why? Because Nehemiah was convinced he was doing God's work. And in doing God's work, he had to follow that focus and stay on track. And so maybe you realize you're a little bit off track and you're rebuilding what you're trying to start. Well, Jesus wants to help you get back on track with whatever it is you're trying to rebuild. Because He's the rebuilder of anything and everything. that may be broken in your life. He's the only one that can do it. Jesus has a goal for all of us. A vision we've talked about before in the purpose-driven life. If you've forgotten what it is, go back and read that book. What is your purpose for life? What are the five purposes? What has God designed you to do? And Jesus says to return to Me and let's rebuild. Let's rebuild. Whatever it is, it's broken. Whatever rubble is in the ruins, let's rebuild. And I'm saying to you, let's return to Good Shepherd and let's rebuild. Let's we'll start here. And we'll begin to go here. But let's place those first bricks together like we're going to do tonight. Because here's the tagline we'll be saying every week from his, from OS's book. It's never too late For a new beginning. Say that with me here and at home. It's never too late for a new beginning. Say it again. It's never too late for a new beginning. One more time. It's never too late for a new beginning. For any of us. Amen. And so as we continue to think about all the things we look at Psalm ninety one and we continue to to proclaim Psalm ninety one as our praise team comes up and gathers with us and joins us and as I've lost Psalm ninety one and I don't know it by heart and that's not helpful at all and where'd my page go that's Psalm ninety one on it? Hi, how you doing? Let's pray Psalm ninety one together. Lord thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place is safety, you are my God, I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the virus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the viruses terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick. More are fearful and anxious. Pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us, nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. And everyone said together, Amen. Now let's sit in the presence of God and just let God speak to us in these moments of music and prayer. these words of encouragement this week as we leave and as we go into our weeks. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your disciples, I am with you always. Be with me today as I offer myself to you. Hear my prayer for others and for myself and keep me in your care. And one of my favorite prayers from St. Patrick's breastplate, Christ be with me. Christ be within me. Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in the mouth of a friend and a stranger. May this week people find in you a generous friend in which love can be found. I believe in hope. I hope you do too. Everything can be rebuilt in our lives. Everything. Trust in God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Faith above all. May God bless you and keep you as you go forth in this week. And until we greet again in person, we love you, we miss you, and we look forward to being reunited again. Amen.